Welcome on in to another edition of Big Talk, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler, that's Sam Sprunger, and we actually have some football to recap and preview as we now are officially in season. It feels good. You just saw Sam kind of rub his hands together. It's a moment we've been waiting for. Well, this is, uh, and I will say it to anybody, and I probably have said it on here, this is like Thanksgiving like the football season is 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 phenomenal but you and i both are like basketball's where it's at that's our christmas season you know that's our most wonderful time of the year but this is darn good i love football season it's great because you get overreactions you get really you get football games to watch it's great well, let's start talking about some of these overreactions here. It's actually a great way to open up because really, I mean, week one provided us with some more questions, some more storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start off with, for overreactions, Illinois, a game-winning field goal against Toledo to win 30-28 to 28 in the final seconds. What did uh, I say about Toledo? No, you were right on the money here that this was, this was worth the time to watch. Yeah. Um, but the question is, Illinois maybe not as good as we thought entering the season or is Toledo just that good and we are maybe overreacting from a one game sample again I personally think having I'm I don't live too far from Toledo so I get a lot of kind of you know some interaction and I don't know a lot about them but I knew enough plus I'd seen some prognostications that they anticipate Toledo being very very good Mm -hmm. and had they won, I wouldn't have been shocked, and I wouldn't have said necessarily that it was Illinois' issue. So I think it's, I think maybe, you know, we're still feeling out what Illinois is. We're not sure if they've recovered, you know, they can come back from, you know, and keep up what they did last year. So honestly, I think Toledo's that good, and mm-hmm. we're just, the jury may still be out on Illinois, maybe. Well, and and I do think there are a couple things to take away from this besides just either feeling like Illinois is never going to win a game or that, you know what I mean, like the the overreaction of it. Um, This was an Illinois team that was number one in the country last year in scoring defense. Now they lost a top five NFL draft pick uh, from the secondary this past year. They lost Uh their defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach, At Purdue, there are some questions there about what the defense can be. They also Mm -hmm. lost one of their other safeties, who was a a really phenomenal player, but they did allow 416 yards from Toledo. And so that's maybe what I'm looking at first is that defense, is that going to be, and that was a question we asked before the game, not even just about that game specific, but macro level, is it sustainable what they were able to do last year and I, I think the jury's going to be out still on that one. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think Illinois, it, I, it's hard to replicate that type of defense after you've lost good pieces from it, like integral pieces of that defense. So I don't, I think we're, if we have that expectation of their defense, I think we're going to see a letdown. Now, yeah. I still think it could be a very, very good defense. Right. But, we don't know what that defensive coordinator. I mean, Walters had a certain system in every D coordinator, while maybe running mostly the same type of system, is going to have their tweaks and things. And it may not work the way Ryan Walters did last year. Yeah. 
No, I, I completely agree. Uh, maybe, but I also think Toledo's really good, and that's fair. I think that helps us yeah. kind of understand it a little bit better. Try and find the the middle ground somewhere in there. Uh, a positive story that came out, a bit of a positive surprise because there some of these storylines are kind of just like I don't really know what to think of this. Let's move to a positive one. And Happy Valley, Penn State fans are pretty happy. Drew Aller wins the Big Ten Player Offensive Player of the Week award for what he did with 325 passing yards, three passing touchdowns in their win over West Virginia. We already knew the defense was lights out before the season started. We knew they had a great backfield with Nicholas Singleton, and now it looks like they have a quarterback that can help lead them. And it was interesting. I had a conversation recently uh, with Bill Bender of the Sporting News, and we were talking a little bit about it, and he said, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a game-changer, but he goes, Penn State reminds me so much of Michigan last year, and you put J.J. McCarthy in there, and, like, all the other pieces are already there, mm-hmm. and you might have a championship team. Like, we really need to start looking at Penn State as as maybe a championship team. Not that we haven't been, but, I mean, it's... A little bit more seriously by more people, maybe. I, I think they weren't the the hype right now. Like I think if they're that talented and they're that solid, I think they're that good. At least this year, it's not a foregone conclusion that it's just Ohio State and Michigan kind of thing. Yeah, to where well, they, at this they're point, a legit contender for that East. The next storyline we'll talk about after we we finish talking about Penn State will be Ohio State because. I, I mean, some people think the sky is falling in Columbus after they start the season one and zero, which is <laughs> but three but touchdown there, win. <laughs> but there is a discussion to be had there, so we'll have that on the sure. the other part. But Penn State now, I mean, they look like a legitimate Big Ten contending team. Well, and let's look at who they played. I mean, they played a Power Five conference team too. Now West Virginia struggled a little bit here and there, but that's a rivalry game too. You know, mm-hmm. they they have a history of playing, you know, a rivalry game against one another. So, you know, that even though, you know, Penn State won and convincingly and in, in stuff that it was it's still a power five team and it's still, you know, a rivalry game. So it's not like they played, I don't know, like East Carolina or whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I see what we did there. Yeah. <laughs> So I think, I think, honestly, I think Penn State is, I mean, this is, it's not a two team or two horse race in the yeah. East this year. Not at all. Yeah, I agree. Well, and let's go ahead then and, and move to Columbus where the sky is falling for some. Yes. Others say we're 1-0 and after a 20 point win against Indiana. On the road um, too. On the road. Um, and, and it's funny because we were talking before we went on the air and, and Sam was kind of laughing at the idea that like, I mean, it, being the Ohio State head football coach, like your job isn't just to win games anymore. It's to just beat everybody like to a pulp along the the trail. Um, the only thing I will say in maybe on the other side of, of the pendulum or, or whatever you want to call this, um, there is a quarterback question for me there. Sure. Yeah. And and I, I believe both can kind of be true. But what we saw from Kyle McCord was not what we're used to from an Ohio State quarterback. Not that he was horrible, but you get what I'm trying to say. It wasn't quite the same level I feel that we're used to. Does that mean it's dead for the season, Ohio State football? No. Is there room to grow? Absolutely. Like, all of that can possibly be true. We didn't see Devin Brown a ton, 
but there's a real question about Ohio State quarterback. Yeah, there's not a C.J. Stroud or a Justin Fields or, you know. Well, that's part of it, too. Like, right? Like, yeah, there's Dwayne Haskins, Cardale Jones. Yeah. I mean, J.T. Barrett. Like, the the list of quarterbacks to run through there in recent years is ridiculous. And here's the thing. One of those two could easily turn out into that. They just haven't started yet. They haven't had the starting job so that, you know. What what's the saying? Every every great started out as as an amateur, you know. Like mm-hmm. they didn't, they weren't good at first. Now that's not to say that I mean Ohio State still won by twenty points on the road in the Big Ten. That's not something to thumb your nose at completely, and they beat IU so that puts a check mark on my my side. Makes you a little but, happier, yeah, but but. <laughs> But my whole point is, is you know, he didn't he didn't do anything to lose the game, right? That he just didn't blow the doors off of the IU defense. He just didn't. So, but you're right. I think either one of those quarterbacks could be absolutely good. But McCord just got the start and didn't wow everybody right away. It's going to be something to watch because as good as Penn State looked in a couple of the areas, we had question marks for them. Ohio State did not look so good in a couple of those areas we had question marks. So if those trends continue, I might favor Penn State over Ohio State. Go ahead. Let's say it this way. Had he been playing East Carolina, maybe he'd have been better. (laughs) All right. Let's get to this one here. Michigan beats East Carolina in the opener. Um, I, I don't know what really you take away from it besides J.J. McCarthy looked very very good against a bad defense they rolled and didn't miss a beat without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline um I I don't know what else to really take away from this game but Michigan still looks like the Michigan we expected yeah to this point I mean with who they're playing yeah they're they let's say it this way I was a little not shocked but like a little like whoa because it was only like 20 to three or something like that at the half or whatever it was, but they stretched it out and just, you know, they just, they did exactly what we assumed and figured they would do against East Carolina. So there's a couple other, I think storylines to pick apart. I I really felt like week one actually gave us a lot to talk about or continue to ask Uh, Iowa beats Utah state 24 to 14. They score touchdowns on their first two drives of the ball game. Um, what was the, the little, uh, the little trivia that I gave you, they scored on a touchdown pass on their opening drive for the first time since 1991. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, I pulled up some fun facts about 1991 <laughs> because I thought that was just such a great stat. A, I wasn't alive. Correct. I, I feel like that's a good place to start. Um, B, we were all introduced to hasta la vista. Baby. That was uh yeah Terminator <laughs> 2's release. Um, uh, what was the top song? I'm, now I'm going from memory. The I want to say Salt was, and Pepper uh, was in there. Might have been, but I think the top was Brian Adams. Is that is, his? Yeah, that's that's. Uh, is it uh, the? Uh, uh, I don't even remember what song it was. Everything I yes. do, Robin Hood. Yes, I do it for you. Like that Goodness. was the top song. Yeah, you, you? you know. Hey, hey, I'm serving it up. We got a couple of cups of coffee in us. We're we're ready the to go. The dream today. team, the original dream team, had not even been hadn't hadn't won their gold medal yet. 
I think that was Jordan's first title was 91. Like yes, Jordan wasn't even right. a world champ they until the, they beat the Lakers in 91 until <laughs> Iowa. If Iowa never scored a passing touchdown, would Jordan's legacy be different? Let's discuss <laughs> on ESPN's first take next. Um, no, but uh, also Mike Krzyzewski, his first NCAA title came in 1991. His first. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'd made it to some, some tur deep tournament runs, but he'd never won the national championship. Yeah. So it, to think, and and Kurt Ferentz's response, they said, they said, some reporter told him that, and he goes, huh, that's some good trivia. That was his answer, period. That was it. It's the most <laughs> Iowa thing in the world. Um, all right, but we've had it. We've had our fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Iowa's offense wasn't 100% healthy Cade McNamara. Take right. that into context, but is there something here? Maybe uh, they still didn't hit their 25-point mark that, Brian Ferentz has to keep his job contract here, um, which, which honestly, can that hurt? Will that hurt him potentially in games where he, you know, a field goal would be okay, but you know, Oh no, we're going for seven right now because we've got to get the, we've got to get to that 25 or is he like his dad where he's not going to think too much about it? That's, I just imagine the stubbornness is so, off the charts that like that the the stubbornness isn't even about like the contract like the stubbornness into doing whatever it is they want to do anyway right. but i do think that's an interesting like alternative play out to things or like if this was happening at another school to see how they would handle this mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. because you know they're up they're up you know 17 to whatever and or not 21 to whatever you know 21 they're down 21 24 you know and they're yep. like oh we only average 23 points we need more points we need to put seven on the board well yeah. i like the idea at first of where you said they had 17 points they scored a touchdown and they look over the sideline and brian and kirk are both <laughs> holding up two <laughs> we're going for two we gotta hit 25 that's a, okay <laughs> that would make yeah that would be that would be a bit i wish i'd have thought quick enough it's too early in the morning but yeah i mean honestly it's a it's interesting to think, or are they just, we're not going to take that in consideration if we're successful and win ball games and I'm under 25 points, will they still hold true to you're out the door? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty interested in all this too, which by the way, um, I, to, to answer the question, like Iowa's offense continued to feature the tight end heavy. Mm -hmm. I don't expect really, like we talked about, there doesn't seem to be any changes with the offense. It's just putting in some new Jimmys and Joes and seeing if this thing actually is able to be executed. And I That's thought it showed a pulse. Response. That's a Farron's response. <laughs> We're not changing anything except for putting new people in it. That's right. <laughs> but I thought it, I thought it showed a pulse where, I mean, it there was mm -hmm. zero pulse last year. I thought there was a, a legitimate pulse to the Iowa offense, and there might be something there uh, yeah. for for the rest of the year. A um, couple other stories uh, that came out. Uh, by the way, this is one that I don't think people are talking about. We don't really need to go deep here. Um, but Maryland's Talia Tungavailoa hit 8,000 career passing yards over the weekend in the win against Towson. Um, first Maryland quarterback to ever hit that mark, but that's really? ridiculous ridiculous number um so that's quite the milestone i thought uh yeah. that to come out from over the there's weekend that hasn't gotten 10, attention there's a good chance he hits ten thousand. yeah by yeah the end of the year 
Oh, we'll need to. I, I think I have somewhere in the Big Ten record book. I might try pulling it up here in the background to see how many quarterbacks have hit 10,000. But um, also, uh, from the opening weekend, Rutgers Northwestern, I'm just going to fully admit, did not watch this game. The score I know came Rutgers out, won. That's all I know. And it came out 24 to 7. That sounds about right. Like, I, I think Rutgers is good enough to pick up a couple Big Ten wins. I think Northwestern's going to have a really rough year. Uh, based on the adversity and the, the the roster was already a bit shorthanded, it felt like uh, comparatively to the rest of the Big Ten Conference. Um, moving on from there, let's talk about the Purdue Boilermakers, your team losing to Fresno State 39-35. Uh, and by the way, I'm not necessarily trying to drown that or drip that in shame um, when, when I say that your team lost, but what did you take away from the debut of the Walters era? I take away from this, and and I have to admit, I w my son had a, a JV football game at that time, so I didn't get to watch it. But I was watching it on my phone, the progression of it, you know, the the play by play stuff or whatever, you know. And uh, what I took from it is, is the defense still isn't working fully. I mean, you give it thirty nine points to a Fresno State team now. Not saying Fresno State's trash, but right. you know you should be able to beat a Fresno State at home, you know. And so I think the defense is still needing to solidify. The nice thing is, is it's out of conference, so they, they didn't have a a first game conference game to where all of a sudden their own one in the conference like they were last year, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So they have that, but I that. The offense looked and sounded like maybe there was a little bit of adjustments needing or taking place, and it struggled a little bit in points. But they put thirty-five points on the board. You should be able to win a game with thirty-five points on the board. Period. Yeah. You know, you should have. The defense last year gave up almost twenty-eight points a game, and that's all games. And they should have. They should have been able to not give up thirty-nine and and be. Fresno State so it's a disappointment but yet at the same time they're still Ryan Walters it was his first game as a head coach you mm -hmm. know so he's got that under his belt you know and so I think how they rebound neck this coming week is is maybe <clears throat> my prognosis for the season well and and that's the thing I mean everybody as we've already kind of joked about a little bit there's such extreme takes with everything that we've seen in week one and mm -hmm. everybody wants to, the definitive answers or yeah. punctuations on everything and it just I'm not changing my prediction yet yeah well <laughs> well that's another discussion we can talk about for the listeners have missed that Sam has Purdue winning the Big Ten West in the final year of division still can do it still could still could um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, you're right. It's the opener of the Walters era. It's his first game as head coach. It's this team's first game of the season. Like I, I think there's a plenty of room for error when we get to week one college football. And that was kind of the story with the team that I have an interest in Michigan state uh, first half. It was not. Struggle. Yeah, it was, it was going uphill. Like it was, it was tough sledding for, for, Michigan State's offense, I, I guess we could say, because defensively, I mean, the Spartans played pretty well all game long on defense, mm -hmm. but the offense started clicking in the second half. Noah Kim in the second half alone went eight for 10 passing with two touchdowns. Um, the receivers started to come out and make some plays. 
it, it seemed like the offense actually kind of found a bit of a rhythm in that second half where the first half, it just wasn't there. Like there just was no rhythm. There was, there wasn't really a gel, but it came together in that second half. And I also think Michigan state might have a pretty solid running game led by Nathan Carter. The UConn transfer was really impressed with what he did with the ball in his hand. So I think, I think Michigan state is, if, if they continue to play like they did in the second half, Michigan state could really surprise a couple people. Yeah, and and that I, I noticed the first half it was almost halftime and it might have even made it to the half seven three. And yeah. I was like, whoa, this is I started I even told somebody I said, Ooh, Dalton might not be happy right now. <laughs> That's all I said. And, and I like, think they I think they here. took the lead right before halftime, if I remember. So it was 10-7. But to your point, like it was getting close there and it was seven three. <laughs> I, I remember kind of looking around, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that offense completely regrouped for that second mm-hmm. half. So that was that was a, a good sign. But as we said, you you open up and for Noah Kim, the quarterback, and a couple of those the receivers and whatnot, like those were their first starts. Those were first games for a lot of them. Just take them a little bit of time to to get in a groove and and they certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I it, it's still one of those that it's week one. Overreactions, yep. over you know, overreactions on both sides. You know, oh, we're gonna be world beaters like the team that Nebraska plays this week. You know, I hear people saying they're gonna be contenders for what? They're well, st- they're they're in rough shape still. They they're still unproven. So that provides a great segue because it's time now to get to this upcoming week's slate of games and what we're expecting. Uh, but I will let you know. Uh, I did pull up the Big Ten record book. There have been seven quarterbacks to hit 10,000 yards passing in the Big Ten. Are two um, of them from Purdue? Two of them are from Purdue. Yeah. Drew Brees is obviously one, and I want to say Aiden O'Connell's number two. No. Is it Orton? Curtis Painter. Oh, geez, I forgot about Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter's number definitely two. Definitely have forgotten about Curtis Painter. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so so there have been seven. Like, really? that's... That's the kind of class that uh, Talia could end up joining when it's mm-hmm. all said and done with his days in College Park. Um, but okay, let's go ahead and take a look at week two. Um, yeah. Not the most exciting slate of games coming at you here this weekend involving the Big Ten. No, but there are some interesting matchups. And let's start with the one that you just kind of teased a moment ago. Nebraska gets ready to take on in Boulder number 22. Colorado after what was there there were three results or games that stunned me in week one nationally not big 10 wise uh Duke dominating Clemson stunner to beating them Florida State flat out bullying LSU stunned me like I thought that'd be a good game seeing Florida State just run over LSU defenders like six different times like that was I don't know if I've ever had the picture of LSU guys just being bullied like yeah. that. Like that was yeah. new to me. And the other one, of course, is Colorado beating T- TCU. Like this is a Colorado team that was expected to win three games this year. I mean, they right. bring in Deion Sanders. He clears out the roster, brings in and his he own talks guys. one whale of a game. Oh, yeah. Like, well, and, and all of a sudden, like the most entertaining thing in college football is Deion Sanders in Colorado football. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't matter if they're not playing in the Big Ten or they're playing Big Ten competition because I know we're a Big Ten show here. Right. I'm going I'm going to have eyes on Boulder because yeah. 
it, yeah. it's can't miss CTV now. It is it is phenomenal stuff. I saw an interesting uh, stat or like you know observation. I guess last year you could attend every single Colorado football home football game for two hundred and twenty two dollars total. Wow. Tickets. There are tickets for the game this week, four hundred and fifty dollars a piece. That is wild. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, and what's amazing to me too is like this is a phenomena that I don't necessarily recall any kind of precedent. Where here comes a coach who was maybe the greatest defensive back of all time. Like he was, uh, he excelled Definitely in he was, the conversation for one of. Yeah, it, like he was unbelievably excellent at what mm -hmm. he did in football. He was excellent in baseball. Um, he's always had a mouth. Like he's always been able to talk. He's always been a bit of a showman, and he brings it to coaching, which is a tough transition. I feel like I feel like usually a lot of loudmouth athletes don't become coaches, and I think because of that, he was sent down a tougher route where he has to go through the HBCU trail to be able to to get his coaching job, picks up some wins. Now he gets a job at Colorado. And here's what I think so unprecedented about this too. A, Colorado was not supposed to be very good this year. And by the way, we'll see what happens in the future. Like TCU is probably not as good as we thought TCU was going to be. To, to get to Sam's point about overreactions, Colorado, I don't see competing for a national championship all of a sudden or anything like that. I but, don't even know that they compete for a Pac-12, honestly. No, and, and that's fair. I mean, the Pac-12 is loaded, loaded. For, its, for its final year. Um, but regardless, Colorado's blown by whatever expectation you had for them already after just one week. And right. that's hard to say. Like, And that's realistic. It's not hyperbole. Like, They've blown past whatever expectation you had for there them. Was, there was nobody that anticipated them beating TCU. Nobody. No. Except for and, maybe and, a few Colorado fans and maybe not very many of them even. And so Colorado goes out, they get Deion Sanders this past offseason to try and help the program because the program was in a dark place. Like the program was, I think, undisputedly the worst Power Five program as of last year right. to be at. Deion takes that job. They interview the AD uh, after the hiring, like at the press conference, and he goes, yeah, we don't really have the money for it now, but we're, we're hoping to figure that out. And you're sitting there, and you're like, what? Like, you just yeah, they signed him to chips. a $28 million contract without having the money to give him. You just pushed all chips to the middle of the table on, on this phenomena, and who knows if this stuff works out. And now, as you talk about ticket prices and everything else, this Dion thing has worked out. Like it's already kind of paid for itself in social capital. Like we know, but we didn't talk about Colorado ever. And now look at Colorado. I'm saying they're the one team, regardless of who they play, I will be watching every Saturday because it's can't miss TV. If it, like I said, he talks one whale of a game and he gets people excited because after that statement was made by the AD, there was $26 million donated by alum or uh, alums. And then his uh, the uh, season tickets sold out. Yeah, so they went from seeing the whole season for two hundred and twenty two bucks to there's not a ticket to be had. Yeah, because they yeah. want to see what Dion. They either want to see him fail, or they they're just so excited. I I lean more towards the latter instead of the prior. But there are people that will buy tickets just to you know see him fail, which. It's the wrong way to go to a game, but anyways. 
Well, I'm and, not going and, to an IU game that doesn't involve Purdue just to root against IU. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, well, and and I have a hard time, and and maybe this is a bit of a gap because I didn't get to experience Dion very much as the player. I know about yeah. Dion the player, but I didn't Phenomenal. experience it in real time. And and so maybe there's some. Whatever animosity some people are feeling, maybe it carries over from those days. But I'm having yeah. a hard time hating on the Dion experience. I'm, I'm, this guy has showed up everywhere and won immediately, and that's you know, hard to do. You know why I didn't like Dion Sanders? Why is that? He wasn't he wasn't on my team? <laughs> no, I'm, I, that is dead serious. Fair enough. Like he was that good and dominant, like. You didn't throw to his side when he was playing. You didn't just did not do it because inevitably, if you did, there would be a much less chance of you getting any completions or a, a good likelihood it gets picked or pick sixth. Yep. Yeah, that, whatever. A pick six happens. I'm not sure what the past tense <laughs> what the past of, tense. That, <laughs> of that is. But but my, my point is, is, I mean, the man is the only person in the history of sports to hit a home run in the world series and score a touchdown in the same week. Yeah. That is, that's the type of athlete the man was and he's carrying it over. And you're absolutely right. Most of the time, the talkers, they don't translate well into coaching, mm -hmm. but he is the exception to the rule. He has very much at least proven himself on a lower level. And to after week one of his first power five week, he's doing it at, at this level too. Well, and that's I, I enjoy watching it. I mean, some I mean, he's kind of doing his own thing like it's it, we talk about unprecedented. He's kind of blazing his own trail. And I find that yeah. fascinating to oh, watch. Sure. Um, but let's let's switch back to the Big Ten perspective yeah. of it. No, yeah, let's, let's get off that. <laughs> Nebraska goes to Boulder um, in this game where Nebraska last week, I, I think you could say defensively looked good but offensively did not. It's obviously right. going to be a run-heavy attack. I do believe before last week's games, Nebraska was favored against Colorado, but after what happened, they flipped, and Colorado's now favored against Nebraska. Well, it's minus three, so essentially you're looking at a push because you get three points for being home. Right, right. So but we're I, essentially looking at basically a push in the eyes of Vegas. Yes, yeah, I would agree. Um, but for Nebraska... I think defensively, they might be able to cause a couple of issues for Colorado's offense. Um, it's kind of hard just with the momentum to to say anything bad about Colorado because yeah. it was such a good performance. Right. Um, but I think Nebraska will be able to present some issues defensively that TCU could not to Colorado. My big question is, what will Nebraska be able to do offensively, especially as it seems like they're a bit more one-dimensional? Again, they only threw, I think, 19 passes, and they had three interceptions. Right. Yeah. I. They're going to be pass he or run heavy. We, I mean, they they just well, their quarterback runs a lot. So That's I mean, what I mean. Sim Sims can run the ball. Yes. Which which gives you, let's say it this way: if he can complete more than half of his passes, but you have that run question mark, it's going to maybe open up those avenues, and the passing game will open up those those small amount of passes might be effective passes let's say it that way because yeah. he can run he can run at any point so if you lock down on the receivers you're giving him running room so mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know much about colorado's defense on whether or not that's gonna be a big 
I think it would be a tough thing to prepare for for any team, honestly. Yeah. And uh, Minnesota, I mean, they struggled to, to keep him at bay. They they on the running aspect of it. So yep. it's just a, a I don't know. A, all intents and purposes, Nebraska should be one and zero. This should be a two undefeated teams going in and playing each other. But they they fumbled and threw it away, you know, Nebraska yep. against Minnesota last week. So, uh, but that's in the past. Let's forget that. Let's make the let's make the improvements. And I think, I think the big thing here is the coaching. I think Matt Rule is the type of coach that he's done this in college programs that have been dumpster fires when he came in, and all he does is improve them. So I I, I have the confidence in him that they're going to be at least a little bit better than they were last week in every facet that they struggled. Fair. That's it's a fair assessment. And I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. Like I said, I this yeah. is can't miss for me. I will be watching yeah. in, in some way, somehow, even though I plan on on being at a football game in East Lansing. Um Cyhawk. <laughs> The that's the next big game exactly i wanted to get to which by the way this is one of those rivalries i really find myself enjoying each year um no for whatever reason it, but it's always it always seems to be a good game yeah and it's also seems to be one of the ones that fan bases care about a, an extraordinary amount um yeah. but iowa iowa state they play let's see that's at 3 30 on saturday i was favored by four in ames going on the road to iowa state uh, this is one I'm pretty excited for. I, I'm interested again to see where the offense for Iowa is because Iowa State to me is probably a better team than West Virginia, mm -hmm. and so how are they? How's that offense going to perform against a better defense? You know, oh, and, you meant uh, Utah State, right? Iowa played Utah then, State last what week. What I say? Penn State or West Virginia? Sorry, Penn that's State played West Penn Virginia. Better yes. than Utah State. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yep. They're better than than Utah State, obviously. So what are they going to do against a better defense? You know, is that offense yeah. going to struggle more? Or did they actually cure things? And with um McNamara being healthier, yep. Will he, you know, will 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 we see a different offense? That's what I'm interested to see in. I always, uh, I'm like you. I'm always interested in seeing what happens at the Cyhawk. Don't know why. It's a fun game. It, it is. really is a well, fun it's game. Fun to say Cyhawk. It is a it is a good rivalry name. We need better rivalry names. Um, <laughs> I mean, those are the two biggest games from there. Wisconsin plays Washington State at Washington State Which could Saturday be a good game. night. That could be. Could a good be. Game. Um, but from what I saw from Wisconsin in that season opener when they had over Buffalo, like I, I like the Badgers here. I mm -hmm. think that backfield is just too strong for anybody. I, I've been talking about how much I like Tanner Mordecai. I think he's going to serve the the fickle era's start in a great way. I, I think Wisconsin's too much. But the we'll one thing I noticed about that game was, and uh, I noticed it, I, I kind of noticed, but then I heard it. Uh, reiterated on the radio is with the threat of tanner mordecai being able to run and throw uh braylon allen was getting to the second level without being touched and he didn't realize it yeah like he was anticipating being hit at the line and getting his yards and before he was touched it was the second sometimes the third level before he was touched he was kind of shocked yeah <laughs> and and he it, if that is what the way it's going to be, and granted, 
it's a lower level team that they were playing in, in mm-hmm. Buffalo, but still to have that, ha- having never had that before, and you've played teams like Buffalo in the past, and you've never had that, and now you do, it could be something interesting to see with what Wisconsin does. Yeah. No, I, I think that one maybe warrants because of of what you threw out there. Like I'm, I, I had Wisconsin winning the West beforehand. I only felt better after seeing that season opener. Um, I, I really like what they got going for this year. I, outside of that, well, I'll run through the other matchups. Michigan State's uh, Michigan State hosts Richmond. It's the first time these two schools have ever met. That's at three thirty on Saturday noon. Saturday, number five Ohio State hosts Youngstown State. Your what seems to be a Peacock game of the week every now and then. Number seven, Penn State will host Delaware also at noon on Saturday. We talked about Colorado and Nebraska. That's at noon. I didn't give that time earlier. That's a noon kick for those two teams. Uh, Purdue goes to Virginia Tech. Purdue trying to bounce back after we talked about dropping the opener to Fresno State. Uh, Virginia Tech is favored by three points here, as Sam kind of mentioned ultimately kind of means this is a push because it is in Blacksburg. So they get the three points being the home team. It seems like Vegas doesn't really know what to do with this game. I don't know what to do with this game. I think we'll hopefully learn a little bit more about Mm -hmm. Purdue from what we see this upcoming Saturday. Agreed. Agreed. It can only, well, I won't say that. Never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say it can only get better. And then I'm like, it it could very well get worse. worse. (laughs) Right. Um, Michigan continues the very soft non-conference schedule with UNLV this coming to game, Ann Arbor. That's the, that's the game that they, they're splitting the head coaching responsibilities. One guy's coaching the first half, and then Mike Hart's coaching the second half. I don't remember well, who's coaching the first half. If Michigan wants to continue to schedule its non-conference schedule quite like this, I mean, they might as well just let it, a, a fan giveaway contest <laughs> be able to come coach the games. I mean, that Michigan enter for your chance to coach the second <laughs> half against UNLV. They're favored by 37. Like, and that's gracious. I think <laughs> uh, we talked about the Cyhawk game at uh, Northwestern host UTEP. That is at three 30 on I was Saturday. Just at that. You can get tickets for $2 if you want. <laughs> do you want are you, are you gonna drive to evanston for that one sam no <laughs> the cubs uh, play in town so i i if 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 that was anticipated i could go to that but no no i'm not it's probably at the same time fair enough yeah no i'm not no wisconsin and washington state we talked about that's at 7 30 that night uh maryland plays charlotte that's at 7 30 that night as well saturday night that is minnesota and eastern michigan will kick at 7 30 at night minnesota favored by nearly three touchdowns in that one and uh also on saturday Rutgers will host temple at 7 30 but tonight friday night there's a couple of big 10 games involved uh that we could touch on here real quick Indiana will host Indiana State. That's at 7 o'clock tonight here on Friday. Uh, And Kansas and Illinois will be kicking off at 7.30. Kind of interested in this one. Kansas had a pretty pretty big year for the program last year. Illinois had a big year for its program as well last year. But as we know, and we've talked a little bit about, uh, kind of skated by Toledo in the season opener. They now go to Kansas. Kansas favored by three points, as we've talked about already. That kind of means it's a push between Illinois and Kansas in the eyes of Vegas without the home field advantage. Uh, This seems to be the game that maybe I'm most excited for besides the Cyhawk and Nebraska-Colorado. 
Yeah, yeah, because I it let's say it this way, it was first on the list of this week's games, but it caught my attention right away because of what Kansas did last year. Uh, both yeah. teams did last year. And you have those question marks about Illinois. Kansas may not be as good as they were last year. They may be better. We don't know yet. They I mean, we just were one weekend. So you your assessment of teams can only be one week and right now Kansas is as good as they were last year, you know. At yeah. this point last year they were one to know as well. But this could be a a their the first well, I won't say first true test cuz I really think Toledo's good. Um it could be a real it could be for the nation a real first true test to see what Illinois is this year. You know, yeah. if they walk out of Lawrence 2 and 0, there might be more people talking about Illinois saying, well, well, and I guess how they do it. If they if they have a dominant defensive uh, game and walk out of Lawrence two and zero, they could say, "Well, let's put Illinois in the talk for the West." You know, yep. it's definitely a possibility. Or if they give up thirty eight points but still walk out with a win, it's not too sure how they're going to do against the likes of Michigan or you know who are, you know Wisconsin even you know because I do believe Wisconsin's better than Kansas. You know, so yeah. So no, I completely yeah. agree with that. I, I think it's at this point, there's so many games that where you're just looking to get more information on some of these teams. And and this seems like one of those uh, probably for both ways, Kansas and Illinois. Um, before we close out this week's show, I, I did want to get to this because I know you had texted me. You wanted to talk about this a little bit, uh, but the NCAA uh, was in the news again. You're shaking your head. I, I know that you're pretty upset about this one, but uh, a star defensive lineman from LSU, Smith. Mason uh, Smith. Mason Smith was suspended uh, for the opener against Florida State. Um, the and, entire and, game. Let's yes. Just, the entire game. Yes. Um, I do believe, I haven't dug into as many details, so you can help fill in some of the gaps here, but he had done an autograph signing, and it must have been before NIL actually came into existence. It was existence. a week or two before NIL went into effect. Okay. So like it would, We all knew it was going to be going in, and they, they gave us a date. You know, At this point, this is when, it, when it's legal. It was a couple of weeks before NIL went into effect. Okay. Which we look at that's two years ago. Yep. And and, and yeah, so now the it. NCAA comes down and drops the hammer on him and makes him miss the season opener. It seems like a pretty ludicrous story. Um and, and it had you pretty upset and emotional yesterday. My my reasoning is is you go back to when Johnny Manzel was in the NCAA and that was many moons ago. Yep. Um he had the same thing happen. He 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 went to an autograph session or went to uh, autographed a bunch of things for a company that was selling them, and he knew this. And the NCA dropped a, the hammer on him for one half against Rice, <laughs> <laughs> one half, and that's when the last regime was in uh, in in power. power, and they they dropped the hammer on Johnny Manziel for a half against Rice. But yet Charlie Baker comes in and says he's really going to work on this is going to be we're going to gear it towards the student athlete. You know, we're going to make sure that they're they're being taken care of. And then he drops the hammer of a full game against the number what eight ranked Florida State Seminoles in week mm -hmm. one. 
even a half, I think would have been, you know, I would have been like, that's ridiculous because you it literally, I think he probably did it. And you know what? He may have done it knowing that he was violating the NIL. Not all the players probably went, oh, hey, I can, I have to wait until this date. That's well, not and, excusing him. And so he, he is reported saying that he did not know he was okay. breaking the rule. Um, so from, from his word, he says right. that was not the case. Um, but it, what's amazing to me too, and like you, you stacked the, the Manziel conversation and situation against this one, NIL wasn't really a discussion. Back it when wasn't even was in the doing process this. of being legal. Like it wasn't in like, oh, it's just a couple of weeks away. That's again, still wrong. So yep. yes, punish him, but you can't, why are you punishing him worse than you did the guy eight years ago who did it when it wasn't even in the purview of becoming able to do. And he gets a half against rice. No offense to rice, but rice ain't, ain't Florida state. Yep. Well, and what's amazing to me, too, is especially given the litany of problems that exist today in college athletics and everything that's there, that this is where the NCAA makes it stand. It just it feels so much to me with each story that comes out like this, each case that comes out like this, that the NCAA is clinging on to whatever shred of power and authority they feel they have left. And I, I do feel like this is a, a structure and institution that is obviously struggling and backpedaling a little bit with how things are, are currently going. Uh, they're starting to realize they don't quite have the power to enforce and, and put in like a national rule for NIL. That's why they keep going to Congress and saying, can you please help us out? Because we actually don't have power, but the power we do have, let's abuse it by suspending a star defensive lineman for signing autographs for money. Uh, a week or so, whatever it was before NIL came into effect. Like to me, it's, it's such a wrong pivot on what the NCAA needs to be doing, what needs to be focused on, uh, especially in, in the current times we exist in. Like, yeah, well, uh, the NCAA mm -hmm. is losing authority. It's, it's losing so many of these battles and it's it's just going to go pushing right into something like this instead of working on a pivot and adjusting to the the current times it just it feels like a a total failure sounds like a harsh word but it kind of sounds like they failed here well and it also feels like they're insulting our intelligence yeah it's true too and i've got another example that i didn't even mention to you because i wanted to kind of throw it on you to see what your thoughts were on this because essentially with NIL, what are we treating these players like? They're they're are they amateurs? No, they're they're getting paid, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they're not getting paid for their performance. I get that. So technically, they're amateurs. There's, but uh, I believe it was Jaden. Is it Rashada at Arizona State that was I'm at not Florida? Sure. That was at Florida, and he agreed to or he committed to Florida because a collective gave him a guaranteed ten million dollars. I did see something about this. And then he, the collective yanked the offer, so he transferred to Arizona State, or decommitted and committed to Arizona State, where he's getting only $817,000 for his NIL deal. My point, here's my here's here's where I'm going with this. Which, by the but, way, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, I, I know you got a You're whole fine. thought. You're but fine. that's pay for play. Like, we're talking about pay for play exactly. at this point. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at here. That is exactly what I'm getting at, because... Mm -hmm. The U.S. Tennis Open just is st is starting to wrap up. 
Fiona Crawley is one of the top players at UNC. And she, you know, college players are allowed to participate in these events, the open events, as long as they they're allowed to collect money to pay for their travel and their 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 room and board and stuff like that. Yeah, but they have to forego any winnings. She ended up winning a few rounds and would have collected eighty one thousand dollars, eighty one thousand. OK, as a tennis player. Now, granted, I understand that's winnings for her performance, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. It to me is no different than Rashada going to at first Florida for 10 million and then tra- decommitting and going to Arizona State for 817. That's pay for play, just yep. like her winnings would have been. And we're talking about $81,000 in a sport, college sport, that there's no way in the world she's going to get that in NIL. It's ten percent what the the yeah. commit you're talking about just and went and ended up getting. To get it. Yeah, I was gonna say, and hers is reward based. And and by the way, this uh, all of this is so complex. Where like a, a part of this that we're not even talking about in the story is the fact that, and, and I do believe this has been part of the the broader discussion, but it hasn't been at least here so far on on this segment. Yeah. Uh, the idea that people are offering student athletes and not coming through with their end of the deal criminal that's happening a lot this mm-hmm. this you're just not hearing about it as much but that's happening a lot so that's one issue and then yeah you're right like and so again for the NCAA to be going after LSU's defensive lineman for signing autographs and and that's name image and likeness what he was doing but it happened a week or so before NIL came into effect years ago for them to drop the hammer there but then pay for play that's exactly what I was talking about like it's such a specific and great example Sam of what I mean when I say there's such a litany of issues here's one of them you have student athletes being offered money to come to schools uh, sometimes they show up on campus and the money just now isn't there they go somewhere else where they'll pay to to have that that student come play uh, they being different boosters companies whatever it is yep. like this is this is a mess and you want to go after the guy signing autographs uh for the tennis player or the tennis tennis player player. having to forego eighty one thousand dollars which you know i mean good on her being loving college enough to say you know what i'm gonna give it back because i want to stay in college but at the same time there should be the ncaa makes so many rules and makes so many exceptions in different areas how is this not possible to where if you go to an open which means anybody can play as long as you qualify and open and you don't declare and go to other events and collect money. You can keep what you win in those open events. That's their way of NIL, you know? Well, and and here's the thing with the NCAA and we've talked about this for a long time, but Sam, we're a couple months away from 2024. We've talked about adjusting with the times, getting a couple steps ahead of what's coming down the tracks this just continues to show there is not progressive thinking whatsoever or not, right. not even progressive. It's just not even present thinking whatsoever that is taking place there. It's uh, it's, it's a bit of a shame, just a shame. It, it is. And it, and it, to me, it disappoints me in big talk, Charlie about saying it's about the student athlete or 
athletic student, whichever way you want to say it, because we know that not a lot of them are going to class, the big namers, but not the point. But he talked a big game, and he's doing nothing but the old stuff. Yep. That's what's disappointing. You know, you want you want to maintain your power. You're doing nothing to change. Why in the world would would you get support? Yeah. I mean, you're you're dropping the hammer worse than the than the regime that screwed over the NCAA, you know, and its schools. You're 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 dropping the hammer on an all-American, which he's a defensive end. Would Florida State have have dominated as much with him in the game? Maybe mm-hmm. they still would have won, but it might have been a heck of a lot closer. It might not have shocked you because you would have been like, wow, what a game. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, no, I it's frustrating. I'm I'm completely with you. It's uh <laughs> it's it's definitely gonna be something to watch. I mean, just the NCAA, its own uh like conversation piece for years yeah. to come on on how things continue to evolve or regress or whatever it ends up being uh with the institution. But that's what we have time for. That's gonna shut down another edition of big I talk. To hit trans transparent background, evidently. <laughs> We just went away for a moment. Our voices were just coming through the ether. Um, but uh, another edition of Big Talk wrapping up. Um, again, thank you all so much for tuning in and joining us every week. We'll be breaking down some of these games, previewing future ones um, every single week. So make sure you continue to join us on Big Talk, College Sports with Midwest Perspective, Blue Collar and Blue Blood. Sam, I wanted to give you a second to flash your graphics up. I'm not sure if you're still going to, but do you just want to tell the people? Where I will tell us? them because it's. I would have to re-download it with a transparent. Background. I was trying to fill for a second, but I was I like, yeah, it might be. Drag it out just a little bit longer because I probably could have gotten it, but it's not that big of a deal. I, you know what? You just have to trust me on this one, okay? So on on TikTok, Instagram, and the platform formerly known as Twitter, we are at B1G underscore talk. That's B1G, not B-I-G, Dalton. B1G underscore talk, big talk. Go to Facebook. It's B1G talk, big talk. Not all big talk. That's a different show. And uh, we are streamed weekly on the ASAP network. Uh, you can get the app uh, at either one of the app stores you know, the Android or Apple one, uh, you can uh, find us on there. If you miss our stream and want to really see what we're doing while we're talking, uh, you can go to uh, Spotify and find us. Uh, but we come out later in the day on Lounge Media Group, and uh, eventually we will be on Lounge Media Group Radio as well uh, with our weekly show. So there you go. Awesome. All right. Well, seriously, thank you all again for tuning in yeah. and joining us. We we really do appreciate it. And uh, for this week's edition of Big Talk, that's Sam Sprunger. I'm Dalton Shetler. So long, everybody. See ya.